0: This is episode 159. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Happy almost Halloween. This is Kimber and I'm your host with Smarter Parenting. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Halloween safety. Now, when we go over this and we talk about our Halloween safety, we're going to be talking about three different things. One is setting some expectations and preparing yourself beforehand. Another is how to use preventive teaching with your child to implement your expectations. And then three is some suggestions and different tips of things that you could try practicing. In my years of working with kids and families, I've actually learned that there's a lot of things that we overlook, (laughs) and if we just prepare for them in advance, then it can make our Halloween experience a lot smoother, happier, and safer. In today's podcast, we are not going to be going into COVID safety practices, as we'll be talking about general safety. If you're looking for more COVID safety tips, please refer to the CDC's website where they have listed off some Halloween safety and healthy tips. So the very first thing that we're going over today is setting and clarifying your own expectations for Halloween. Now, this is really important because as parents, we can often start to get in the busyness and the hustle and bustle of life, and we overlook the importance of taking the time to pause and consider what our own expectations are. There are some times when we as parents have different expectations than the other adults that we're coordinating with, like our co-parents or our spouses or our children's extended family, maybe grandparents are joining, you know, there's other people that are involved in the occasion. And so it can be really important for you to just pause, establish your own expectations, and then communicate and clarify those with those around you. Additionally, we can also have skewed expectations, right? I, I might have expectations for this long, drawn out, extensive trick-or-treating experience that's going to cover, you know, half the county. But in reality, my three-year-old can't handle that. And so taking the moment to pause, consider what my expectations are, might bring forth some reality checks for me. I'm a great example of this. So one of my first Halloween experiences with children was when I was a foster parent to boys between the ages of about six and 13. So I had a really fun age group of kids, but I didn't have any of my own biological kids. So we hadn't done the little Halloweens, you know, building up to the longer Halloween with older kids. And so in going through and setting some of my expectations and some of my excitement for the holiday, My husband and I were able to talk about it and kind of determine, you know, who can handle what, how are we going to have, you know, different plans lay out. We had kids with a variety of different diagnoses and different things that we needed to be sensitive to. So all of our kids had experienced trauma and that was part of the reason why they were placed with us. And so we needed to be really trauma sensitive. We also needed to be very aware of our different um, kids' capacities. So my six-year-old could probably go all night and outlast me in (laughs) trick-or-treating But I had an eight-year-old as well that was on the autism spectrum and he had a much harder time staying on that same activity for the whole time. He struggled with some regulation things and we needed to be prepared for him to have breaks or to have somebody go back to the car with him or those kinds of things that would just make the experience a little bit smoother. Now I'm not going to pretend that that first Halloween was flawless and it went so smoothly. We did have some hiccups but it went so much more smoothly because we communicated and clarified some of those expectations and contingency plans beforehand. So in order to really set your expectations, a couple things that you can do are drive the route that you're planning on going for Halloween. Kind of get an idea of what the neighborhood looks like. And this is a great time to bring your kids along and to show them the same thing. It's good for them to see the homes in the daylight and to know some of the paths and the sidewalks and things that you'll be walking on. You can also point out some safety hazards. So on that first Halloween, we trick-or-treated an area that was partially under construction. And so we talked about areas that were off limits for trick-or-treating and making sure that our kids were really clear on the fact that, you know, this chunk of sidewalk is out of commission. And so we're going to go around that. We're not going to go through all of the construction. We're going to take this path that goes in a different direction. You can also walk the streets and try practicing crossing the roads during the daytime, making sure that it's a safe area. And that your kids understand the expectations of what to do. Doing that in the daylight can actually bring a lot more confidence and comfort when you're doing it at nighttime. And then finding an area that you want to trick or treat at with houses that you can safely walk between. Um, So, finding a nice neighborhood or a cul de sac or something that um, you feel comfortable taking your kids around to. Now, in addition to scoping out the area, you can also walk through with your spouse or co parent or friend or family member, whoever's going with you for trick or treating. And talk about different expectations as far as timelines. When are you going to feed the children? What are they allowed to do? What are you comfortable with them eating while you're out? Are you okay with them trying the candy? Are you not okay with it? And just really getting some clear boundaries on what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Parental boundaries are so important, and it's really critical that you establish, communicate, and maintain the boundaries that you have established with your children. It's also so important to give them an opportunity to establish and communicate and maintain boundaries with you and other adults. And so teaching your kids how to have a voice to do that is really critical, especially in these experiences where they are more vulnerable. There's scary things that are going to come up or things that are going to make them uncomfortable. And how do they say no means no? Or how do they let you know that they're done or they're tired or they're not wanting to do this anymore? Some kids can come across those things really comfortably, but a lot of kids really struggle with it, and they don't know how to respond or to react. And so we see that a lot in behaviors and tantrums and other things where we could have communicated with them and let them know how to communicate with us. And so that's what we're going to try to accomplish here. So as one of the many things that you can practice with your child for Halloween safety, the practice that I'm going to go through and give you an example of is about teaching your child how to set that boundary. So when it's Halloween time, this is a great time for kids to explore, to be creative, to be imaginative, but it's also a really vulnerable time for them to be scared or intimidated or uncomfortable. Sometimes kids will feel slightly uncomfortable and they might need some push or some support and that's okay for us as parents to help guide them along. Maybe they're a little intimidated by that house that has the really spooky decorations and the loud music and so they're hesitant to go up to it. And so I as a parent might prompt them or encourage them to go ahead. It's okay. I'm right here. Now, when I do that, my child might be reluctant or say, I don't think so, or no, because they're still trying to decide and figure out what their boundary is. Once my child's decided, no, my boundary is I'm not comfortable going to that house, have them have a word or a statement or some way to communicate with you that no means no, that they're really clear on the fact that they don't want to go up to that house and that that's okay. And you can treat that safely and let them know that that boundary is okay. So the way that my children do this is by saying, no, thank you." So when my kids say no, they might say no a lot of times with peers or other adults, um, but maybe it's laughing or maybe it's, no, don't tickle me, and they really want more tickles. But when they've really had that boundary and they want it to stop and be done, then they say no thank you, and that is our line where we don't cross it. And so although no sometimes may be questionable to a lot of people and other children that they're playing with, no thank you and giving space is a way for them to communicate that that's really not what they're wanting. So if I took my children trick-or-treating this weekend, then i would give them the opportunity to try out new things and i would encourage them to try the spooky house or to walk with me and hold my hand and try the spooky house and if they said no or were hesitant i might give them some space to think it through or to change their mind if they'd like to but if they say no thank you then we're going to move on to the next house and that's the boundary that they've set so for our example today i'm going to teach you how we established this in our home we use the tool of preventive teaching and if you're a frequent follower on our smarter parenting podcast and you've heard podcasts from me, you know that I use this skill all the time. I love preventive teaching. I think it's incredibly powerful, and it really does clarify a lot of expectations with your kids. You're going to hear many, many more examples of how I use preventive teaching in my family. So when I taught this skill to my kids, tickling is a great example of it, and so I can use this practice and this exercise as a really good way to introduce it. So with preventive teaching, there are six steps. The first one is to say something positive or use empathy to describe how you want them to act. Three, give them a meaningful reason why. Four, practice it. Five, give them feedback, positive feedback if possible, or correct them if necessary. And then six, continue practicing. So here's how this played out in our home. Beckham, I'm so happy that you love to play tickle. When you are all done with tickles and you don't want any more, I want you to say no thank you so that I know and I will stop and put my hands up just like this. When you tell me no thank you, then I know that you're really done and that you're not just playing or being silly. That means we're all done. So we're going to practice it. And I would tickle him and then he would say no thank you and I would put my hands up and stop right away. We could also do the reverse where he tickles me and I say no thank you and he stops and he puts his hands up. It helps clarify and establish that boundary and throughout the practice I'm praising him and giving him positive feedback for what he's doing and how he's stopping. Now, when he says tickle monster or he says he's laughing or he says, oh my goodness, or any of those things, we're still going to tickle and we're still going to have fun. But when he says no thank you, then stop, my hands go up, and he knows that that's all done. This is a really great physical practice to do because they're able to quickly learn and pick up on the stop and go of things. You can also implement this in other areas, right? I just talked about how using no thank you can be really applicable towards Halloween boundaries and other settings for them. And so we use this in a variety of contexts but that first initial practice i loved using the tickling as an example now practicing is six simple steps it involves a role play where you are physically acting out and engaging the activity or the behavior or the situation that you're trying to set expectations around and that piece is really critical kids need that active portion of the practice in order to be successful So there are a variety of things that you can use these six steps on in order to establish and maintain really clear expectations with your kids as you prepare for Halloween. So the first one that I'd encourage you to start today is practicing knocking on the door, making eye contact and saying trick or treat, and then saying thank you after they take an appropriate amount of candy. (laughs) So I might break this down for my kids in a really simple way. So step one, you need to knock on the door. Two, you need to look at them and say trick or treat. Three, you need to take only one piece of candy. And then four, say thank you. And we'll go through that and practice that expectation with my kids, just like I did in the tickle practice that I talked about before. Then when we go through and we physically practice it, I'm going to have them go to our front door. And they go to our front door and they knock on it and they go through those four simple steps and show me that they can do that. I'm going to give them a box of candy. Hey, I'm going to give them a treat during the practice. We will make this as fun as possible so that they're really getting the habit and the pattern down. The more that we practice this at home, the more likely they are to do it when we actually go out and go trick-or-treating. Now, for most kids, this practice at home, at your door, with just you, can be really ample practice in order for them to start generalizing this concept over to the other homes that they're going to go to. But know your child, because this doesn't work for every single child. Sometimes you need a little bit more. And so I would then take the practice a step further and go to a neighbor's house that I've already let the neighbor know, hey, we're going to come over and practice trick-or-treating at your door so that they can experience someone else answering the door, someone else's door altogether (laughs) in a different environment. This is especially applicable for our kids that have trauma histories or um, various diagnoses that make it so that they're needing just a little bit more individualized support during these practices. Now the last thing that we're gonna go over is different things that you can do to start preparing and practicing with your kids. So I've gone over those examples of helping your child establish a boundary of saying no thank you. I've talked about establishing expectations around going up to the door and actually trick or treating and knowing what to do in that circumstance. But some other things that you might wanna keep in mind for practices over the next week or so before Halloween are what to do when you're overly crowded. A lot of times I can see all of a sudden a swarm of kids that go up to a door and my little kids get really overwhelmed with, okay, hold on. (laughs) I don't know what's going on and I can't see mom anymore. And so teaching them what to do in that situation is really important. So when they're feeling crowded, maybe they need to pause and step to the side until the other kids walk away and then they can see mom and they can walk back and know exactly where to go. You can also talk to them about what to do when they're scared. So some of the boundary work that we talked about before, like saying no thank you, can be really helpful, but also things like pausing and stepping aside if they are scared and they weren't anticipating it. Maybe they need to pause, step aside, or just turn around and come back to the parent without trick-or-treating at that house. You can set some expectations around how and when they can eat candy. So if you're okay with your kids having candy while you're out and about, then teach them that that's okay and what your expectations are around it. If that's going to be frustrating to you, or if you're concerned for their health or safety, then establish the expectation that we're going to wait until we get all the way home before we have candy. But I've packed you this bag of Cheerios that you can eat while we're out. Or here's, you know, I've got three candies in my pocket that you can have while we're out and about, and you can ask me for those. And then once we get home, we'll look at your other candies, and then you can have those ones. So set some clear expectations with yourself and with your kids on those different practices. And then be clear with yourself and your co-parent on how you guys are going to respond to that. If you've set the expectation that your kids aren't going to eat candy while you're out, then you shouldn't be eating their candy either. We wanna model that appropriately. How confusing and frustrating for a child if you say that they can't have it while they're out, but you are eating some while you're walking along the way. So if you'd rather change that expectation and have it be something like, you can have candy while you're out, but I need to check it first, then that's okay. But make sure that whatever expectation you set up, you keep. You do not want to break these boundaries and these expectations that you've set, because then you're just undermining your own authority. Another important practice is how to respond when it's time to be all done. So this is similar to accepting no, if you've heard my podcasts on accepting no answers. This is similar, right? It's telling them that we're all done trick-or-treating and it's time to go back home, which can be really disappointing. A lot of kids don't know how to handle or cope with disappointment naturally, and so they're going to push back with some behaviors and boundary and limit testing. So instead, you can let them know how you expect them to behave when you tell them it's time to go back home, and they can have more clear and established practices around what they need to do when that comes up. Now, something that you can do for a child that's especially as excited is let them know, okay, three more houses, two more houses, one more house, we're all done. And giving them some of that warning in advance instead of just springing it on them. That can be really helpful. Reflecting back on my story of my first year of trick-or-treating with kids, I realized that I overlooked the importance of teaching them how to respect property while we're out in trick-or-treating. So that's something that I've implemented in the years since. When we were out trick-or-treating, there were lots of kids around them That were running through yards or taking down Halloween decorations or touching everything. And I wanted my kids to really understand and know that just because other kids were doing that doesn't mean that it was okay for them to do. And so, a practice that we could have implemented that first year and have implemented since is just practicing and talking about what things are okay and aren't okay. So, instead of walking through their yard, I want you to walk through the driveway and then up the sidewalk. Instead of touching their Halloween decorations, I want you to keep your hands on your bucket. Um, setting some really clear boundaries and expectations around respecting property can make the experience more positive for them. It also helps them really feel like they know and understand what they need to do, even though the example around them might be different. Now this respecting property piece leads us straight into teenagers. Now this is my personal opinion, but I actually think that if teens can be appropriate, then I like when they're trick-or-treating. Every family is different and so that's okay. If your family is one that you're okay with your teenagers or your preteens trick trick-or-treating, or even just your kids that are old enough to go out unsupervised by you, uh, but not necessarily too old to go trick-or-treating in your family, then here are a couple of additional things you may want to keep in mind for those kids that are going out without you. Because everyone has different opinions on this, I want you to practice and teach your children what to do if someone gives them dirty looks while they're out trick-or-treating. You know, that look from other parents where they're thinking, you're way too old for this. And what should your child do to respond? This causes a lot of conflict. It actually is funny to me because it's instigated or it's started by an adult. Um, And it's started by an adult that's not wanting conflict. And that's part of the reason why they're giving the dirty look in the first place. So this is always a fascinating exchange for me. But let's say that somebody gives them a dirty look, probably because they're too old to be out trick-or-treating. Your child, you can set some clear expectations of what they should do back. So they can smile politely and give that person space and just not interact or make the problem bigger. In this practice and circumstance, you're teaching your child to be the bigger person, which is really hard to do. And so teach them to be positively engaging with the other people around them. Now let's take it a step further. Let's say that your teenager goes up to a house and trick-or-treats and the person at the other side tells them, you're way too old for this, or says something rude to them about being out as a teenager. So how should your child respond? If this were in my home, I would set some expectations of things like politely letting them know that their parents are okay with it, not taking candy from them, letting them know that they'll just go to a different house, and then stepping away and walking away. If you want your child to positively interact with the adults around them while they're trick-or-treating, then you need to really clarify and set these expectations for these moments or instances that may be confrontational. Now, we talked earlier about what to do if your young child feels crowded when they're going up to a door and trick or treating. Now, you should talk to your teenagers and your older kids about how to avoid crowding and how to give younger kids space or to politely wait their turn before going up to a door instead of swarming it. When your child is unsupervised, set some expectations around making a plan and sticking to it. Maybe you guys have driven that path, right? Like we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. You've gone around that neighborhood you know exactly where your teenager is going to be trick-or-treating and they've scoped it out in the daylight and they know what it looks like too so teach them about making a plan and sticking to it and then what to do when someone tries to change the plan what happens when somebody suggests let's just go somewhere different or i don't like this neighborhood anymore or let's go over to my house what are you okay with and what are you not okay with and how should your child respond that might be something as simple as a no or it could be something as easy as calling your parent to check in because you can't figure out what every single option might be when that comes up. Talk to your unsupervised kid about what to do if someone invites them in their home or their car, and then what to do if they're offered illegal or unapproved substances. These are all uncomfortable situations that probably will or possibly could come up on their Halloween trick-or-treating. And so if you really want your kids to be successful and to be respectful, then we want to walk through any of these uncomfortable situations that may come up. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed that list, and I hope that it's pushed you to think outside of the box. This isn't comprehensive. It doesn't cover every single thing that you may need to practice with your child. But it hopefully encouraged you to start thinking about the things you need to prepare your family for as you come up on Halloween. If you guys have other suggestions or tips, we would love to hear them. We're going to post some of these practices on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Smarter Parenting. And if you'd love to comment and jump on there and let us know some other things that you're practicing in your house, we would be happy to incorporate that in our podcast of suggestions for next year's Halloween. So we look forward to hearing from you and hearing about your happy Halloween experiences. I wish everybody a safe and healthy holiday.